This is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 12. I hope y'all had a wonderful imbol. We certainly did. It was very simple and very, well, authentic and uh, not very ritualized, but we kind of like it like that. And in honor of coming spring, this weekend I am planting about 140 onions in Mahatunnel. And that does not sound like a whole lot of fun, does it? And it's not, because that's very tedious. So I reckon I'm going to turn on some really good music and go buy a bottle of Muscadine wine and dig in a little bit. Makes the work go a whole lot faster. It's a funny time of the year, really, isn't it? I mean, everything is not woken all the way back up. And nothing is really completely asleep. Not in the deep south, it's not. I've noticed all kinds of things waking up in these little interim moments. And then, of course, here comes a deep freeze and they have to run for the high tunnel. And that means that we have a lot of folks living out there. Everything from wild rabbits to lizards and the like. And in that vein, I wanted to go ahead and answer one of the listener questions that I did not have an opportunity to answer last time. So let's go ahead and dig into it. Y'all settle up on your porches. Because porches can be hypothetical spaces. They're just places we learn and listen, reflect, and rest. Y'all ready? All right, I have an email from my friend Amanda. And she has a question. And it's a damn fine one. Here we go. I rent a house in a holler that is almost at the top of a mountain in central Virginia. I would love to honor the land spirits here while I'm around. I was hoping you had some suggestions for how I could commune with them. How best to figure out how to honor them? General offerings I could start with? I'm going to be using some of the suggestions from your most recent podcast from today, 116, but I wondered if you had something specific you could share about the space we live on. I know you said it was important to honor the spirits that are already here, especially when doing personal ancestor work. In closing, I just want to let you know that in the short time I've listened to your podcast, you've been something of a mama to me. My dad died during the first wave of the pandemic, and my mom and I have been permanently estranged for about five years. Your voice, stories, and advice are such a comfort to me, and these days, when I'm feeling particularly low and like I need a mom, I replay your episodes. Thank you for that. And so quite honestly, y'all, that put me in a bit of an emotional tizzy because I have always been the mom that my son's friends would come and sit on the porch with me and ask me how to handle certain things in their life or just have a safe space if something really crappy happened in their world. And uh, the truth is, y'all, they still call me mama. And so to hear that someone has gone through that kind of loss and one that I've gone through myself, well, it it hurt my heart a little bit. You know, estrangement is its own monster. It really is. It's not quite the same thing as, oh, I just realized I'm not answering the holler question, but that's okay. We're Southern. We'll get around to it. 
It's not the same thing as someone dying, which is its own horror, and I know that. I've experienced it. It's a different animal altogether. They're still alive. You're missing them. You're hurt. It's unhealthy to, well, have anything to do with that human being, possibly for them as well. And in that case, it's a special kind of hell. So for that alone, I just want to let you know, dear, I'm here for you. And uh, my sons don't mind sharing, so feel free to lean on me as a mama. But as to your holler situation, let's dig into that. I'm glad you're actually thinking about that before you go out and honor your own ancestors or do your own kind of magical work. And the reason is because, as we've discussed in the past, there are land spirits already there. And I think a lot of folks kind of either glide over that as if it doesn't matter or don't think about it at all. And nothing could be further from the truth. There are spiritual traces, there are even living things that are in these spaces that we just sort of, well, colonize with our own ideas and our own practices. And I find it, well, blasphemous to do so. So I reckon the very first thing that I would do is almost nothing. And I say almost because, well, you have to go introduce yourself, don't you, honey? Mm-hmm. I would probably take myself a quilt, and I might be so brave as to take a candle, and I would haul my ass down there in that holler, and I would enter easily. I would sit down, and I would introduce myself. Now, this is a process that might take you a little bit of time, but all good things are going to take time. Can you imagine someone just moving into your house and starting to cook dinner, turning on the TV? thrashing about, leaving their dirty underwear on the floor. I mean, that's what it would feel like, wouldn't it? So we need a bit of a smooth transition here. I think that's what I would do the very first time. It's what I've done in the past. I probably would even open myself up to ask, oh, well, after I protected myself now, honey, you don't know what's down in there. So you do need a little bit of protection. If you need help on that one, holler back at me. But if I felt fairly safe and I was willing, I think I would also open myself up to what do the woods want to tell you? What does the moss want to say? What are the land spirits trying to get across to you, if anything, if they feel like speaking? And let's never forget, just because we don't hear them, it certainly doesn't mean they didn't say anything. We just haven't learned the language yet. So that would be my first premise, is you need to go learn their language. That would be my first visit. That could go into two, maybe even three. And past that, if I got a good response and I felt welcome, I know, I know, you own the land. It is yours by right. Except, you know, that's not the way it works in the magical world. So we have to get there, and you'll never get quite there. We just have to make you part of that place. All right. After a little bit of time, I might bring an offering, but you better be real careful with that one. And I don't usually say better to anyone, but I've seen folks leave plastic statues and electrical cords, and I don't know about you, but if I were a tree, do you think I'd want that? Uh, Probably not, right? One of the things I've suggested in the past is mycelium, and you can buy mycelium 
There are plenty of places online and no one is out there asking me to do an ad for them on mycelium. Although I tell y'all what, I'd be damn fine at it. However, if you want to write to me privately, I'll give you a couple of good names and you might be looking at spending, you know, 16 to $20. But that 16 to $20 could go a long way. I might offer some mycelium. Now we've already gone over why that's a wonderful idea. Be careful and make sure you get the right kind to make sure it would grow in your area. Past that, now y'all know that I have a lot of native blood in me and I have a lot of native practices. One of the things I love to give is cornmeal, but I don't get that cornbread mixed stuff. I get raw as I can. I get ground rough cornmeal that has not been bleached. And sometimes I also offer tobacco. But I would never offer it out of a cigarette. I would go find some quality organic tobacco for that process. And I'd be careful about getting it too close to the roots of a tree. You might want to consider that instead on an altar. You know, we think about this whole leave no trace thing, but I don't think we think how deeply we tend to leave a trace. And not just that, and I always worry that I'm leaving a place not just with my impact, Of course, we're not talking about energy, we're talking about waste product, but also that I want to leave it better than I found it. And honey, that's where that mycelium came in. So now I'm a purist and not a lot of witches are, and that is okay. That is okay. But you asked me. And so I would also suggest that if you did burn a candle that you considered using a beeswax candle, something that is all natural. That's not going to leave a lot of dyes or chemicals on that land. You know, the process is actually simple and sweet. And I mean that. It's as simple as walking into a place and saying, hey, is it okay if I'm here? Is there anything that you would like? I'd like to get to know you. Is there anything you'd like to say? Do you have any boundaries that I don't need to cross? And then the process that comes after is the relationship and the building and the getting to know each other. And it happens with any land space or home. Once you get that down and once you feel like that that is a a healthy relationship, well, that's when I, you know, call on my ancestors. That's when I feel comfortable enough to do so. Of course, I ask first. (laughs) I spend a little time in my little neck of the woods and I find out who is most amendable to me having company or company as my grandma used to call it and I know exactly which ancestors I'm calling in it worries me some I've seen some witches just call in all of their ancestors just (laughs) willy-nilly every damn one of them I got one or two ancestors I don't think need to come to a party if y'all know what I mean I'm telling you a couple uncles who were just ugly to women and grab your ass in a hot minute, and a couple of women that were just straight up bitches. So you got to be careful about which ancestors you're actually calling in. I think that matters too. Y'all, I know I come across like a hippie. I get that. And my neighbors call me that because they have no idea what I really am and we better leave it like that. But the truth is, You know, it's almost sad that some of this has become politicized because there is nothing more magical and beautiful and good for the planet than caring about your, well, waste product. (laughs) 
it just really does matter that deeply. And in my own magical processes, I attempt to look at that. What am I doing and how am I negatively impacting my surroundings and my environment? And I reckon I'm not trying to wrangle your favorite plastic Power Ranger out of your hand, but I am trying to make note of the fact that some of this stuff just really isn't that good for the woods. And I've seen a lot, you know, I've seen someone who did a Burning Man one time with highly varnished furniture. I'm not kidding. Just so much chemical crap on that furniture. And they thought that this was just magnificent. And I will give it to him. It was a righteous burn. That thing burned for hours and hours and scorched the ground. But, (laughs) and by the way, this was at a pagan event. Sometimes the most delicious, magical thing you can do is something you're doing in your own backyard. I'll just leave that there. So it just matters. Or at least it does to me in my practice. Anyway, I reckon that's enough of my tree-hugging sensibilities. Today is my grandma's birthday. She is long gone and I miss her very much. She mattered to me more than any other living human being and impacted my life deeply. Without her, I probably would not have made it. I had a significantly problematic childhood and she was my, well, she was my safety and she was my conscience and she was everything a little girl needed trying to survive all that. And I've been working on healing myself a little bit. I don't know if y'all need to heal a little bit. I reckon we all do. If you don't need to heal a little bit, you might be a robot. And now that I'm being a grandmama over here and have my own little witchling to think about and concern myself with, I'm digging in fairly deep into the idea of ancestral trauma. My dear friend Byron Ballard helped me to realize what I was going through. And I've been working on it on my own because I almost feel that while help is um, it's welcome and it's fun and it's good, sometimes trauma, and just sometimes, needs to be something that's done and dealt with and uh, released in private. Especially if you can't find a therapist who believes in those sorts of things. And so I'm going to share something with y'all. When I was a little girl and I was broken, and that was quite a lot, what I had to live through was extraordinary, and I was gaslit most of my life, so there was always that. I would run to my grandma's house, and she would spend time with me, and it always started on a front porch. So if you ever wonder why we're on a porch, it's because of where I found love. It's where I found truth. And it's where I learned how to search my soul. So, you know, I guess I'm dragging y'all on the porch and I apologize for that. So we would sit out on that front porch and, you know, my mother placed a whole lot of stock in beauty, aesthetic beauty, physical beauty. And it really did kind of warp my brain quite a bit. I kind of figured that was the only thing I had to offer the world, that and a good listening ear for things that were way above my pay grade as a 10-year-old. My grandmama found only, well, I'm sure she thought I was pretty, but she never did talk about my beauty. She would locate something on me or about me and tell me how beautiful that one thing was. And her favorite thing about me... (laughs) 
was my eyebrows. Now she, I think was 90, now I'm going to probably get this wrong, 94, 95 when she died. I, I don't remember now. I was 42 back then and I was lucky to have her that long. And so she had seen how fashion and styles had changed and folks were priming their eyebrows down to a thin little stick of an arch. And my eyebrows looked a little bit more like Brooke Shields. And they were dark. Uh, I grew up with dark hair. And my grandma would come and sit in front of me and trace my eyebrows with her fingers. And they were the most beautiful fingers in the whole world. She had chewed down her nails. And she never wore fingernail polish. And she would just trace my eyebrows from the beginning to the end. And tell me how beautiful they were. Strange feature for her to focus in on, but that is what she did. And as she would go, she would tell me how intelligent I was, how special I was, and how much I meant to her. It was almost like she was trying to just swath that right into my brain. The brain that was way overworked with other thoughts about myself growing up. And so I have found myself outside of late. Well, when the weather will permit it. And I'll stand there and I will just trace my own eyebrows. And I'm finding that I'm relieving some of my ancestral trauma by pulling in a ritual that one of my ancestors used to love me and used to heal me. And so it turns out that the older we get, the more we have to heal ourselves. And that is the position I'm in today. She is gone. I do not have my mother and really never did. And so the only way that I can heal, the only way that I can become more me, and the only way that I can ensure I do not pass this down to that beautiful, gorgeous, big-eyed grandbaby of mine, is to do this work, is to alleviate some of that curse. And I used to think that alleviating such a curse would be more ritualized more specialized, more something that you would sit and draw out and have a beginning and a middle and an end. But that's not the way these kinds of things go. I think first we have to be willing to let a curse go, especially when it's become part of our identity. And I don't think we know how much we participate in these moments. Once I figured out how much I had accepted the curse, that's participation, by the way, I decided to fight. And it's a slow process. It's not a bells and whistles and say this particular phrase and, you know, do, 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 do your nose like the witches we see in Hollywood. It really is a more organic, even sacred process. First, I have to release it myself. Then I have to, you know, pull all the fingers and claws out of my back. And that's going to take a whole lot of time. But I am well on my way, and I'm feeling a lot better about it. And the reason I bring all this up is, well, we're talking about leaving no trace. Or if you do leave a trace, let it be good. Or more importantly, let it be useful. I think we get really confused about leaving something that's good. Fuck all that, man. Leave something useful. Well, I've got this little grandbaby, and I'm not going to leave a lot of ancestral trauma if I have anything to say about it. I think about how unsure I was as a little girl about whether or not I was loved 
what I was never told was that I should love myself. I was never told that that's where it all starts to begin with. And so when love was pulled away from me, I would thrash about and feel like I was drowning, feel like I couldn't get air. It never occurred to me that, you know, I hold my grandma inside of my heart and she's there and I can pull upon that well. And that is really the opposite of an ancestral curse, isn't it? It's an ancestral blessing. So when I stand outside and I stroke my own eyebrows, I am trying to remove something that is not useful and incorporate something that is useful in my life. And I hope very much that is something I can teach that grandbaby one day. And you know, just lately, I'm really digging into this idea of being a sexy grandma. (laughs) You know, getting older is really kind of hard. And we've talked about it before, so I won't go into it too deeply here. But y'all know I'm an analogy girl, and I'm always trying to find and make sense out of the world through, well, the imagery or the sound or the art of something else. It's the only way I understand the world. But there's this song, and it's called All I Know So Far by Pink, and I don't know if you like that artist or not, but I'm pretty much in love with her. And that particular song has really impacted me. Especially in about the last month or two, because I've really sunk into this whole cronehood idea. And I don't know how old you are, but I bet if you're younger than, let's say, 40, you wonder what it's going to be like when you're old. And maybe that's a little bit frightening. And I bet if you're closer to my age, you're sitting there thinking, I thought I'd be a lot wiser. (laughs) Because it just turns out that what cronehood is, is learning to take those experiences from our lives and make sense out of them in the larger scheme of things. Grab a couple of lessons because we already went down that road, but we are not inherently more intelligent. (laughs) I'm sorry, I threw all my sisters and brothers under the bus on that one, but we are not more intelligent just because we got to a certain age. However, if we've taken those experiences and we've extrapolated a lot of uh, interesting lessons out of those and we've applied them to our lives a little bit, well, there's a certain magic when you get here. There's a certain peace. I understand a lot more now than I used to understand. I think my magic is more effective now than it ever was. And I can hear the trees oh so much better than I ever used to. But one of the reasons that is true is because I no longer put up with fools. I no longer spend my time with negative energy. I no longer consider giving any patience or wherewithal to anything that's drama. The closer you get to the end of the day, the less likely you are to spend it with idiots. You feel me? And when things get that quiet, y'all, you can hear the fae. You can hear everything. So anyway... That's just a couple of lessons that I've been digging on lately. All right, that's far enough into the depths of the waters that are my brain. I reckon before I close down, I'm going to go ahead and give you a recipe, but it's not what you're expecting. On Invoke, I kept thinking about how Bridget does do so much to protect our livestock, especially at the beginning, the beginning of the end of winter. And as we hit this particular juncture in the year, The only livestock I have, well, 
I do have rabbits, but they're not or well, I don't need anybody. <laughs> I don't need anybody on my property. But the primary livestock I have are my chickens and I adore them. They're my little angels. They have names. And some of them are all the way up to 10 years old. So in the little bowl that I created where I put my candle for in bulk and lit it, I had milk I had drizzled around that candle and some rosemary to protect that milk. But I wanted to somehow bring my livestock into this. I wanted to make them primary and the protection of such a night. And so I crumbled some of my eggshell all the way around that bowl. And it sat outside all night next to my dedicated goddess statue. But it got me to thinking, I don't know that I've ever shared. Well, I think I did on a blog post, but not here. The importance of not wasting your eggshells. One of the things you can do with these, if you crack them in half and then give them a good rinse out, make sure they're dry. If you want to dehydrate them so that you're absolutely sure and you don't have a dehydrator, pop those into the oven about 140. Kind of keep an eye on them. A couple hours, you want them to get a little crisp and then you want to grind those down. And I grind mine down in a food processor, but I've also been known to do it with a mortar and pestle. It depends on where your intent is and how much time you got in that day, right? But if you wanted to witchify every damn thing, which you know I always do, you don't want to throw those away. Once I get them all nicely ground down, they're almost like sand, y'all. Try this. Put in about a tablespoon into your coffee grounds before you brew your coffee. Two possibilities are going to happen here. The first, well, we can't really gauge it, but you could get some calcium in your coffee. The second thing that we're fairly sure about is that these eggshells are alkaline and they're going to take some of that acidity of your coffee out. They're going to pull that right down, take out some of that bitter pop. Wait, there's one more thing, though. Now you got coffee grounds and you got eggshells. And y'all know what a tomato likes, right? So now you've got really good fodder for your, well, potted plants, your farm, your garden. And, you know, you feel better about the whole damn thing. So give it a try. Let me know what you think. I'm always about hearing the reverb on that. And I'm sorry if this has been a bit mundane today. I had two choices. To give you the best I could or to not give you anything. Say, here you go, bat children. It's the best I had today. It's been one hell of a week. Y'all don't forget to look up that song by Pink. It's a righteous little bitch. I adore that song, and it will make you feel better about life altogether. Love y'all. Talk to you next week. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.